Gross apostasy is raging in the church today, and most professing Christians seem to be unaware of how serious it has become. That's because the average Christian today is biblically ignorant. Stay tuned for an insightful discussion of Christian apostasy. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I'm Tim Moore, sitting in today for Dr. Reagan. And with me is my co-host, Nathan Jones, who serves as our Internet Evangelist. Also in the studio with us is one of this ministry's dearest friends, Dennis Pollack. Dennis served as Dr. Reagan's Assistant Evangelist for almost 12 years, from 1993 to 2005, at which time he formed his own ministry called Spirit of Grace. So, Dennis, welcome back to Lamb and Lion. Well, thank you, Tim. It's great to be here. Good to have you on, Dennis. Thank you, Nathan. Most people don't realize that Dennis was my predecessor. So you laid the foundation for me, and then you went off to start your own fascinating ministry. Maybe you could tell folks a little about what your ministry does. Yeah. Well, our ministry does a lot of things. I, you know, I think ministry springs from the heart of the minister, and God puts things in your heart, and then it becomes manifest in your ministry. So, for example, I've always had it in my heart a love for Africa. I, I don't know where it came from except to say it came from God. So, as a result, we began to do African ministries. I ended up with an African wife, and uh, I, it's become a big part of our ministry. But it's not the only part of our ministry. Also, uh, I always have loved the Bible. And I love to read it. I love to think about it. I love, love to analyze it and teach it. And so, uh, a huge part of our ministry has to do with Bible teaching mm. on all kinds of subjects. And one, I, I really believe one of the reasons I was at Lamb and Lion was God knew I was a little bit deficient in the area of Bible prophecy and the return of Christ. And I spent all that time with Dr. Reagan and in, with Lamb and Lion teaching and learning so that when I started my own ministry, I would have some insights about that that I didn't previously have. So, we do a number of things. We've got YouTube channels uh, as well. And so... Uh, and you have a fantastic outreach to people with diabetes, right? Yeah, that, that has been a big shocker in my life. I, uh, my mom had diabetes, had her legs amputated, and it started coming after me. And I realized I had some serious blood sugar issues. And so, I found some answers. I prayed, is what we Christians do. God showed me some things, brought my glucose levels down, and now I've got a YouTube channel. It's just got huge numbers of people watching. Fantastic. Well, you mentioned having insights that the Lord lays on your heart. So, today we want to look at some of the insights that you have and that we want to share with our viewers regarding apostasy in the church. And so, I'd like to first define our terms. So, how would you define apostasy and how does that differ from heresy as it yeah. affects the church? Well, I would say apostasy and heresy are two close friends. Yes, they are. Uh, apostasy, you know, we were talking about that earlier, is probably more a drifting away from standard orthodox biblical Christianity towards something that is much less than that and often becomes very dangerous. Uh, with heresy, and, and you maybe can give a more specific uh, definition, in my mind heresy relates to maybe a specific doctrine that you just totally miss. 
Uh, what do you think? What would you say is the difference? Well, I agree with you. Apostasy too often is a drifting away. In other words, what once was grounded and, and certain, uh, biblically grounded, uh, whether an individual or an entire church begins to drift to where they no longer are standing where they once were, and they yeah. no longer believe what are the tenets of the faith. Whereas heresy is a specific doctrine that sometimes gets uh, added to or adulterated in the, the terminology to where we're adding things that are not scriptural. Yeah. Uh, we could call an apostasy kind of uh, movement in terms of the church's position on marriage. Too many people now are becoming very mushy on the issue of marriage. Uh, many pastors are afraid to talk about the sin, sexual sin, of even cohabitation or other sexual right. sins. And that's not our focus today, but that has been a, a clear drift from biblical principles. So I think that is where we're going today is the drift we see in the church away from what God has revealed. And we want to focus on that, especially with regard to His Son. Nathan? Well, uh, to add to that, I, I think one seems to be focused more too on a willingness, a desire to break from Christian orthodoxy. The other one seems to be built into ignorance. It's an accidental happening. Uh, you put your desires for what the Bible should say over the Bible. So there's almost one that you, you're trying to change the biblical doctrine of the church. The other that it's for your ignorance or your own personal things that you're changing the direction well, of the church. One of the things church. that Dennis mentioned to build on that very idea is the fact that too often apostasy arises because churches are ignoring at least a good portion of the Word of God. They, yeah, they preach yes. on favorite passages or favorite stories, but they don't preach the whole counsel of God. And of course, this particular episode was sparked when Dr. Reagan saw uh, a conversation that you had uh, regarding apostasy in the church today, and in the message you read a letter from a fellow who wanted to respond to one of your messages, and he made this outrageous comment. He said, the teachings of Jesus have nothing to do with modern Christianity. Instead, he argued that Christians should pay attention only to the grace teachings of Paul. What was your response? Well, the first response in my heart was just shock to, to, to that anybody could say, and who professes Christianity, that Christianity has nothing to do with the teachings of Jesus. But I've heard so many comments that maybe don't go quite that far, but they're essentially saying the same thing, yes. that I've become aware this is a huge issue. We're not talking about a group of 12 people in, you know, some little country church that have gotten off track. We're talking about probably millions of Christians that have decided that Jesus and Paul preached different Gospels. Mm -hmm. Paul's was right. Jesus was right for his day, but is no longer right for us. So basically what they want you to do in your Gospels is go to the cross and everything to the left of the cross, that is all his teachings, his, his life story, all of that, just rip it out and don't pay attention to it because it will mess you up. Uh, it's okay to think about the cross and the resurrection, but forget his teachings. We are now New Testament Christians. We believe in Paul. And uh, I, I did a, uh, a YouTube message about did Jesus and Paul preach the same gospel? And you wouldn't believe how many criticisms, mm -hmm. how many times I've been blasted over that, telling me I'm ignorant, I'm a fool, I'm this, I'm that, you know, this is crazy. Everybody knows Paul showed the real gospel. What Jesus said isn't even relevant. So I have done a lot of videos about this whole issue when I realized just how many people 
uh, believe this way and they need correcting. Well, what's ironic is some go the other extreme. They say, well, Jesus never mentioned, for instance, homosexuality, whereas Paul condemned it. So Paul must have been wrong or he was just uh, fixated on his own day and age. Yeah. And so they kind of pick and choose what elements they want to exactly. adopt. And that's what we're talking about, not taking the whole counsel of the Word of God. Well, you got even the other flip side of the coin, and we get this a lot. I know you answered the Bible questions for the ministry when you were here. I do now, and I get these red-letter Bible Christians. Mm. Very proud. I only read the red letters of the Bible, which, you know, the old ancient manuscripts, they weren't red, but modern translators have put the words of Jesus in red. And they no. say only what Jesus says matters, and the rest, Paul's a heretic. He taught a totally different gospel. Uh, what do you think about that as well? Well, again, it is a, a, a huge uh, moving away from what Christians have always believed, what Paul believed, what Jesus believed, which is that the entire Scripture is inspired by God. It's not like when you read what Jesus said, that's inspired, and then you read what Paul said, that's uninspired. Right. Uh, in fact, the, Paul himself says all Scripture is inspired by God. Peter said about the prophets, the holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So when I'm reading Paul, I'm, I'm getting things straight from the heart of God. When I'm reading Jesus, I'm getting things straight from the heart of God, as with Isaiah, as with the books of Moses, the whole thing. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because we also hear a lot of people say, well, I'm a New Testament Christian, and we're sometime going to turn our attention more focused uh, manner on the Old Testament. But some Christians say, well, that was the Old Testament. That was a, a previous covenant that really doesn't apply to us. And so they discount the entire Old Testament in favor of the New Testament. And we know that Christ came to fulfill the prophecies, and Peter himself preached sermon after sermon that pointed to fulfilled prophecy as proof of Jesus being the Messiah. I had to look this up because I was curious about this. All right, Jesus said, it is written. In other words, he referred to the Old Testament, 24 right. direct quotations, 78 indirect quotations, 26 exact quotations from the Pentateuch. He called the Old Testament the Scriptures, the Word of God, and the wisdom of God. And he most, and I thought this was the most interesting, of all the books he quoted, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Isaiah, and the Psalms were the most quoted. So clearly, Jesus didn't care about exactly his words. He all his words because he is the Trinity and the Trinity wrote the Bible. So the Old Testament, the New Testament, Paul, Revelation, it's all the Word of and God. And Jesus referenced all the way back to Genesis with regard to the role of men and women in the relationship in marriage. Well, many Christian teachers today uh, that have gone to a, a misguided philosophy say, well, the God of the Old Testament was always angry and upset. He was full of wrath, but Jesus is full of grace and love. So, obviously, there's a dichotomy. We do not believe that. So, how would you answer yeah. those folks? Well, yeah, absolutely. It's not like there's two gods. There's the Old Testament God and the New Testament God. It's the same God all the way through. Amen. He has provided forgiveness through Christ, absolutely. But he still gets upset about sin. And you know, when I started to realize there were a lot of people that wanted the idea of Paul's gospel as they see it, but they didn't want to hear anything from Jesus, I began to think about why would somebody want to believe that? You know, usually we tend to believe what we want to believe, and there, there's a, a motive for it. Now, if you believe the whole Scripture, you're not allowed the luxury of believing what you want. You just have to believe what it says. But for a lot of these people who pick and choose, they have a, a vested interest in wanting to believe this but not that, wanting to believe Paul but not Jesus. Mm -hmm. So as I thought about it, the conclusion I came to was Jesus was really tough about behavior. 
And their idea is, well, Paul says behavior doesn't matter. Paul says just believe. Uh, you don't have to change. You don't have to be anything different than what you are. And obviously, they like that idea. They like the idea that I can become a Christian. And I don't have to change at all because Paul said you just believe. But it's, it's absolutely wrong for uh, uh, many different reasons. But one of them is, are you really reading Paul? Because Paul could be as tough as anybody sure about the lifestyle. And he even said, I declared that men should repent and turn to God and do works that fit or befit repentance. Well, that goes in keeping with uh, the whole idea of what we refer to as hyper grace, the, the, the teaching that there is no need for repentance. Once yeah. you are, are saved, you can do anything, hyper grace covers you, and, and you don't have to have a penitent spirit or a contrite heart ever again because right. all your sins are covered. And that's not what Paul would say. No. Let me just give a kind of an illustration that may help people see how absurd this is. Let's imagine, now when I was young, I went to a church where we had testimony meetings. I don't know if you've ever been in yes. that kind of a situation. People would get up and they would testify, here's what the Lord did for me, and here's how I got saved and so forth. So let's imagine a testimony in a home group. There's maybe 20 people in the home and, and several new believers are getting up to share their story. And one of them gets up, he says, praise God, hallelujah, Jesus has saved me. And everybody else says, amen, hallelujah. He said, let me just tell you what the Lord did for me. When, before I was saved, I was a thief. And I would, would go into houses when people weren't home. I would burglarize them. I would take their stuff and, and go. He said, but now I am born again. He said, well, of course, they told me I didn't have to change. I could still just only believe. But I'm a so, Christian thief now. But he said, yeah, exactly. I'm a Christian thief. So after I steal all their valuables, <laughs> I leave a gospel tract on the kitchen table. And that everybody says, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Another lady gets up. She says, well, you know, before I was a Christian, uh, I, I used to sleep around. I slept with almost all my co-workers. But uh, now that I've been saved, uh, well, I still sleep around, but uh, I, I tell them Jesus loves them at the end. I mean, it, it's just ridiculous, the idea that you don't have to change. And, and back to Paul, it, you know, if you look at, for example, Romans 5, it's all about grace, how we're, we're justified by, by grace, justified by faith. And it's not of work. So, you know, that fits with their idea. But if you look at Romans 6, he turns around and says, well, shall we just continue in sin no. that grace may abound? He says, God no. forbid, or certainly not. He says things like sin will not have dominion over you. You're not under law, but you're under grace. He goes on and on saying, when you get born again, you change. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't changed, you haven't been born again. Amen. James tells us, Faith without works is dead. He said the demons, you, you talk about believing God. He said the demons believe and they tremble. And I, I thought to myself, you know, the demons in some ways are smarter than a lot of people who call themselves Christians. They're, at least the demons tremble over the fact they know they're not going to heaven, but there's a lot of Christians. They don't even tremble. It's like, I'll live like I want. I'll sleep around. I'll do this. I'll do that. Uh, all I have to do is believe. And uh, they, they're going to be in for a shock because Jesus said, people are going to come to me at the last day and say, well, Lord, Lord, you know, we've, we've done all kinds of things in your name. He's going to say, depart from me, those of you that practice lawlessness, our work iniquity. I do not, did not know you. Well, stay tuned as we return for more conversation with Dennis Pollack. On July 17th, Lamb and Lion Ministries will host our annual Bible conference. The theme will be the power of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness. Our special lineup of speakers includes Bob Russell, the acclaimed former pastor of one of the nation's largest churches, Alan Franklin, a British journalist who connects Bible prophecy to today's current events, 
Nathan Jones, our ministry's internet evangelist and co-host of our television program. Me, Tim Moore, the new director of the ministry and host of Christ in Prophecy, and Dr. David Reagan, the founder of Lamb and Lion Ministries. We will be recognizing and celebrating Dr. Reagan's 41 years of dedicated service. Special music will be provided by the Purple Hulls, a high-energy bluegrass sister duo. The conference will be held at the Courtyard by Marriott in Allen, Texas, a suburb just north of Dallas. The registration for this conference is only $10. For further details and to register, please visit our website at lamblion.com. We look forward to seeing you in July. Welcome back to our interview of Dennis Pollock regarding the rapidly increasing apostasy in the church today. One of the rapidly increasing apostasies, I hear a lot from, say, Donald Dolmas down in Nicaragua and other people who are related to the ministry, especially in South and Central America, is the okay. health and wealth gospel, this idea of prosperity uh, theology. Do you believe that God has created us to live healthy, wealthy, and wise at all times? <laughs> our best life now. Best life now, yes. Well... No, I don't. I, I mean, if I get sick, I'm going to pray for healing and Absolutely. I'm going to trust the Lord for healing. But I'm not going to tell you there haven't been seasons in my life where I haven't felt good and where I've had to go to the doctor. So, and you look at the, Job and he went through a season where he was miserable in his health, in his finances. He lost almost everything, including his children. So we go through seasons in life that are not fun. And if you think once you get saved, you can just believe God with all your heart and you'll never have a health issue again, you'll, ne you'll never go through uh, struggles financially. Well, you're living in a fantasy world and, and the, the, the answer for that is just live life for a while and you'll find that. It, it amazes me people can cling to that when your own life testifies against it. We all struggle with different things. That being said, I don't believe God wants us to be dirt poor all of our lives and, and to no. struggle. You know, David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor seed begging bread. If, if I lose a job, I'm going to believe God for another job. But that's one of the keys is you work and you make money. You know, the Bible teaches about being responsible, being financially responsible, working hard. Anybody does that, they will tend to prosper more than the lazy person who never works and never uses any kind of financial wisdom. The, the, the heresy that blends into that ideology, though, is the belief that if you are suffering, whether health or financially, right. then you're being punished for some sin. And the Lord Himself made it very clear. Uh, why was the young man born blind? Was it his fault or his parents' fault? He said, no, no. It's so that the power and the glory of God could be manifested through Him. Sometimes we are given opportunities to manifest the power and glory of God, yeah. even in our circumstances, which for a time seem uh, down and out. Right. But are we making ourselves available to be glorifying of God Absolutely. and bring Him honor? And I think Jesus lambasted that with His teaching in Mark 10, 21. One thing you lack, He told this rich man, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, take up the cross and follow Me. Taking up the cross means a suffering life in this life, but in eternal rewards in heaven. So, uh, it's funny that a lot of these health and wealth gospel guys end up getting sick and dying anyway, so where is their theology there? Yeah. Yes. Well, another thing that we touched on previously, Dennis, is the idea that we've even heard from major evangelical pastors claiming that the Old Testament has been replaced. It has no relevance to modern Christianity. And one of the best known teachers recently said that he has discovered that God is never upset 
or angry with anybody because Jesus took on the wrath of, of God for the whole yeah. world, so God no longer is mad about anything. There is no wrath to be poured out. Obviously, an unbiblical attitude. What is your thought? Yeah, when, when I read uh, this particular teacher's article about it, and, and I thought, this guy's been on TV for years. He's got his own Bible college. Uh, I was thinking, what Bible is he reading? <laughs> the, 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 yeah. the wrath of God doesn't disappear when you flip from Malachi to Matthew. Yeah. And when you read Revelation, you know, he, one of the statements this guy made was, if God ever judges America, he's going to have to apologize to Jesus. In other words, Jesus so took everybody's sins that it would be a, a sin against Jesus for God to judge any nation or any group of people. Well, that's ridiculous. The whole book of Revelation is about the pouring out of God's wrath. But not only that, the Apostle Paul says to the sinner, you're storing up wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And Paul says, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I mean, we could John give Scripture the Baptist after said Scripture. That he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but who does not believe will not see life, believe in the Son, yeah. because the wrath of God abides on him. If you reject Jesus Christ, the wrath of God abides yeah. on you. It could not be any clearer than that. Yeah, the word abide means remains. So what that means is if you're not going to receive Christ, then when you get up in the morning, the wrath of God is on you. When you go to bed at night, the wrath of God is on you. You're living in the wrath of God. When you die, you'll, you'll pay the price for it. So, again, it's, it's almost shocking to me to see how far off people drift. And the only thing I can conclude is they have learned a pet set of doctrines that are not even right, and they hang around other preachers that preach those doctrines. They don't really dig into the Word, and therefore they come to believe it with a certainty just because they've heard it so many times from so many people who heard it from the same group of people who've heard, yes. who've heard it from the same group of people. But open the Bible and find out what the Bible says, and you can easily dispel. I mean, you don't have to be a theologian to see that's wrong. Anybody, no. Just open the Bible, read through the New Testament one time, take out a notebook and start writing down how many times it refers to God's wrath, God's judgment, uh, God being upset. Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus is saying to the church, uh, I don't like what you're doing. If you don't repent, I'm going to take your lampstand away. If you don't repent, I'm going to kill some of the people in your church. Jesus is, is hot. He's upset in Revelation 2 and 3 with some of the churches, not all. Yes. But clearly, uh, you know, some people think, okay, as a New Testament Christian, you've got this Jesus shield, you hold it up, and then you drink your whiskey, and, you know, you do all your evil stuff, and all God can all. see is Jesus, because you've got your Jesus shield up. But when you read Revelation 2 and 3, where Jesus says, I don't like this, I don't like that, you'd better repent. And every time when He writes to those churches, the very first statement He makes is, I know your works. In other words, I can see right through your Jesus shield and I can see what you're Jesus doing. Jesus is not a shield so much as He comes within us and transforms our hearts, which permeates our entire being. And that's how we are to live out right. our faith. Well, plus our sins are what put Jesus on the cross. So why would we want to continue living in sin? That'd be like you marry your wife, you love her, you... you cheat on her, you apologize, but you keep doing it over and over again. You take that grace she gave you and keep throwing it back in their face. And they treat Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and His grace with contempt. Yeah, they sure do. One of the things uh, that we have seen, and there was a pastor in Nashville, Tennessee just recently that announced that the Bible is not the Word of God. He said it is man's record of his search for God and therefore it is full of myth, legend, and superstition. That is a quote. 
I, I can't imagine a pastor of a, an actual Christian church making that statement, but he did. And yet I'm reminded that in the Old Testament, the, the prophet Amos made this statement in chapter 8, verse 11. He said, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread or thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and from north even to the east. Uh, they will go to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. And with ministers such as this, it seems we have arrived at yet another season of famine of the word of the Lord. Well, yeah, you're right. And there's an irony to this because when in the history of the world have there ever been more Bibles available, Bibles being sold, Christian Bible software, Christian television, Christian this, Christian that, uh, all of this stuff. And yet with all the Christian resources that are available, we seem to be as ignorant as ever. And I think the reason is maybe some people depend more on their particular favorite group of preachers than they do actually opening the Bible up and oh. reading it. And it, there is something to be said about just reading the Bible. Uh, start to finish and when you get done, start it again. And when you do, you start to take on the attitudes, the values. And you, we talked about drift earlier and that's really kind of the essence of apostasy is drifting away from truth. You know, when I open up my Bible and read it, it is fundamentally unchanged from the Bible my dad used to read it yes. 50, 60 years ago. And when he was reading it, it was the same Bible that people read a hundred years before that. The Bible doesn't drift. The words stay the same. The concepts stay the same. We've got a few new versions, but the concepts are literally unchanged. Yes, they are. So the Bible doesn't drift. And that's why we evangelicals that hold to the Bible tenaciously, we're looked on as freaks because it's like, how, why don't you get on the right side of history? Why don't you just start uh, figuring out that we've changed and you need to change? And it's like, well, my Bible hasn't changed. It's the same. And, and the same Bible that tells me, for example, that God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, also tells me how I ought to live. It tells me what's right, what's wrong. It gives me an entire code of ethics. I don't have the luxury that many people do, which is to come up with my own morality. I have to embrace the morality of Scripture. We certainly do. And as a matter of fact, to conclude, I would repeat what Jude did. Even as Jude wanted to write to the people he was uh, corresponding with, he said he felt the necessity to appeal to them to contend earnestly for the faith. How do we do that? By being like the Bereans and being grounded in the Word of God. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy. Dennis, great having you here. How can people get in touch with your ministry? Well, our website is spiritofgrace.org and also you can go to YouTube and type in Dennis Pollock and you'll find all kinds of videos. Dennis, I also want to thank you for being with us today. May the Lord continue to richly bless your ministry. Thank and folks, you. that is our program for today. I hope it has been a blessing to you and I hope that the Lord willing, you will be back with us next week. Until then, this is Tim Moore speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Godspeed. Two of the most outstanding Bible prophecy experts in America today, Jeff Kinley and Mark Hitchcock, have teamed up to produce a sobering book about the raging apostasy that exists in the church today. The book is titled The Coming Apostasy, but they quickly point out that it has already arrived and is rapidly corrupting even those who claim to be evangelicals. They subtitled the book Exposing the Sabotage of Christianity from Within, and the book lives up to that challenge. In one heart-hitting chapter after another, they reveal the off-the-wall apostasy state doctrine
delusions of demons that are corrupting the church from within, such as the blasphemous teaching that there are many different roads to God. In the process, they provide an overview of the many biblical prophecies which proclaim that the church will be filled with heresy and apostasy in the end times. And they emphasize that the fulfillment of those prophecies before our very eyes today is proof positive that we are living in the season of the Lord's return. This is a book that every Bible-believing Christian needs to read so that we can be on guard against the deceptive doctrines of Satan that so often appear to be beautiful concepts, like the tolerance of sinful activities in the name of love and tolerance. The book is 200 pages long and is written in down-earth language that anyone can understand. It can be yours for a donation of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. To order, call the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time, or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.